You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So, a couple things. There's some uh, news and notesy type stuff that's going on from yesterday. Nothing necessarily earth-shattering, but, you know, stuff we got to talk about. I also want to go over some of the games from last week now that they finally concluded. The Tuesday thing is kind of messing with me just because it's... As much as I would love football every day, actually that's not true because I can't watch any of these games that are on at 8 o'clock. If you start putting them on at 4, then I'd be okay with it. But it's also nice for what I do to have a definitive end, especially with my draft stuff. But anyways, now that they're done, I want to go back and look at them a little bit. Maybe look at some of these things going forward because we're just about done with the season, as sad as that is. To kind of just get an overall picture of, of where we're at right now, as best as we can. Um, Some of you already know where I'm going to go with some of it, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much. But it definitely was a week of uh, surprises, which in reality, if it's halfway expected, they're not super surprising. And at this point, we should be um, wise enough NFL fans to know that, you know, any given Sunday, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. But uh, outside of that, I completely forgot to post... The question I said I would post, but yesterday was actually pretty productive, so I'm not mad at myself for once. It was a pretty good day. I just forgot the one thing that was going to help me with the podcast, which was to uh, solicit questions. That's all right. There's, there's so much just floating around out there, we'll figure it out. But first of all, it is worth noting Tyler Irvin has officially been moved to IR. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean he's out for the year. Because of IR being so weird this year, um, it means at least three weeks. Unfortunately, the consensus seems to be that it is probably a season-ending foot injury. They're saying they're not going to give him surgery, which sometimes means they're they're hopeful that it'll heal because sometimes surgery is what shuts you down because there's a kind of a minimum, you know, once you decide to go under the knife, it's like, all right, you're, you're definitely done for the year now. But either way, I just wouldn't go on expecting much from Tyler Irvin the rest of the year. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going on with Raven Green and Jay Sternberger. We're still pretty confident it's going to be a while before we see them again. But again, the fact that they weren't moved to IR means they don't at least know for sure that they're going to be out for three weeks, if that makes sense. If you knew definitively you were going to be out at least three weeks, you put them on IR. So that just means there's a possibility we could see these guys in like two weeks. There's also a possibility they're done for the year. Maybe there's more testing. I don't know. But uh, again, the fact that they haven't been officially moved to IR is at least for now good news. Um, Another guy that was moved to IR is Mr. Billy Wynn. He was uh, starting to make some uh, some waves. I think we hyped him up a little bit more than necessary just because, again, when when you have somebody that doesn't contribute often but you're constantly seeing them pop up, you start to feel good about it. But I don't want to pretend as though this was our best defensive lineman that we just lost. Um, It is unfortunate for Billy. He was making a real strong case for... uh, being a, an actual player, as in next year he's like legitimately in the rotation. So it's too bad that, that uh, his campaign has to end now. But he, he definitely made a case for himself. Uh, with all these IR moves, they have moved Henry, ba- Henry Black back to the active roster. Henry has not played very much, and um, you get more or less what you'd expect from an undrafted free agent that has only played three weeks. Um, but I will say it's not all bad. He played in weeks 7, 8, and 9. Primarily as a strong safety, 
Uh, the few high points for Henry Black, I'm not going to hammer the negatives because, again, he's an undrafted free agent with very little experience. It is what it is. But his tackling has been really, really consistently high, which is worth something when you factor in that this is a team that really struggles with tackling. If you get a guy, if nothing else, similar to like Kamal Martin and stuff, you know, he, he has his flaws, whatever. He's not the most athletically gifted guy. But if you can just be fundamentally strong and hit a guy and bring him down, that's a really good starting point. The other good thing, and it, again, it, you got to keep in mind it's a very limited sample size, but against Houston, as a strong safety, he played six snaps, all six in coverage. He was given an 87.5 overall grade, 86.4 in coverage. Now, he wasn't targeted, but still, when you're in coverage, you're doing something, and PFF looked at him and said basically what he did was perfect. More than likely, if it's this high of a grade, the reason he wasn't targeted is because he did something very, very right. Now, that doesn't mean he's an elite cover guy. Against Minnesota, his grade was a 45. Against San Francisco, it was a 54. But still, there are second, third, fourth round guys that, we, that we've seen that um, have yet to have an 87 overall grade ever. They hang in the 50s and 60s pretty much forever, and a, and a really good game for them is like a 73. So again, I'm going to give him credit for, for what he did. Three games, he has amassed three tackles, which again is a pretty big deal uh, considering he has 24 total snaps. He also does have a forced fumble that was in that game against Houston. And in 18 times in coverage, he's never been targeted once through three weeks. So again, um, promising guy. And obviously the Packers want to see a little bit more from him. With Raven Green going down, he's sort of next man up in that sort of box strong safety role. Also does make me wonder if we're talking about getting your best guys on the field. Are we looking at Henry Black or are we looking at uh, a linebacker? Don't know, but it'll be interesting going forward. And then uh, finally, the Packers signed Anthony Fabiano to the practice squad. He is an undrafted free agent from 2016. He's been kind of a journeyman. He did actually start um, 82 total snaps in his first year in 2016, but it was not with the team that picked him up. The Baltimore Ravens picked him up. They dropped him. Cleveland picked him up. He played with Cleveland. Somehow, he ended up in Indianapolis in 2017, played 78 snaps there. He has not played since. So he has not stepped foot on a football field in the regular season since 2017. He's only 27 years old, but again, it is what it is. In terms of what he has done, um, he's given up one sack and two hurries in his entire career at center, 154 snaps, 78 of those as a pass blocker. In 2017 with Indy, he actually graded out really well as a pass blocker, 74 snaps uh, at center, 30 as a pass blocker, didn't give up a single sack, hit or hurry. It's not that big with 30 snaps, but it's still... Still good enough, I guess. It's basically a game's worth. So, anyways, probably talking way too much about a practice squad guy, but that's who we added. Um, and then in addition to that, we did actually add Isaac Nauta in the, uh, to the practice squad, who's a seventh-round pick by the Lions. His biggest asset, 6'4", 246, is his pass blocking. Um, as a receiver, his grades over the last two years with Detroit, 58, and then in 2020 this year, and realize he's played up through Week 12. So he's recently left Detroit, and we snagged him up pretty quickly and added him to our practice squad. So this seems to be, I mean, it could just be a coincidence, but it seems to be very much a, I can't believe this guy's available. I always liked him. We were hoping to grab him, and Detroit snagged him from us, and now I get my chance kind of a deal, you know. But uh, 46.7 was his receiving grade in 2020, which is obviously not good at all. On the season, he has one target, one reception for three yards, end of story. His biggest asset uh, grade-wise is pass blocking, but he was never really asked to do that very often. So from the little that PFF saw of him, they said he did a good job. But again, um, 
there isn't even a big enough sample size. We're talking 11 times in the last two years. Primarily, he's been a run blocker, and he's kind of, I mean, it's, it's showing improvement, but more or less mediocre. So from what I can see, not a ton, but he's young, and, you know, it's just one of those things where Brian Gutekunst likes to grab up lots of guys like this and see what we can get from them. And, and what really amazes me is going back and looking at our roster because, again, every single time we pick somebody up, I shrug. Like, nah, okay. You know, you don't just pick these guys up and expect anything. But if you look at the roster, how many of these guys are guys that we picked up and I shrugged about? One of the things I need to get done today, I'm not sure if I'm going to work or not. The wife's not feeling super great. So if I do have some extra time, um, I want to go back and upload more podcasts that can be uh, transcribed because it's a new month and I can add a bunch more episodes. I want to see the earliest that I mentioned Alan Lazard and see what my comments were about him because I'm guessing it was very like, eh, you know, whatever, who cares? I mean, just in general, um, the, the amount of respect that Brian Gutekunst should get. Malik Taylor, undrafted free agent. Alan Lazard, we picked, uh, I think that was Gutekunst. We'll see about Tavon Austin, I'm not sure. Tyler Irvin is another one. Robert Tanyan, Chandon Sullivan. Sullivan was, uh, he was picked up by uh, the Philadelphia Eagles as an undrafted free agent. He played one year there. He had a 33 overall grade. He was one of the worst corners in all of football. The Packers picked him up in 2019. He had a 73 overall grade. (laughs) Granted, that's gone down quite a bit this year. It's not quite as good. But, I mean, he's a starting cornerback for us right now. Just, Just picked him up off the street, 24 years old. Playing starting cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. Billy Wynn. Billy Wynn's 31 years old. He played three years in Cleveland, a year in Indy, a year in Denver. Best year he's had in his career with Green Bay in 2020. <laughs> I mean, and that doesn't include the draft picks or the free agents that we picked up, like Zadarius Smith, like Preston Smith, like Adrian Amos, like Billy Turner. Doesn't include the best corner in all of football, Jair Alexander. Doesn't include Elton Jenkins, who he drafted. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who he drafted in the fifth round. Mercedes Lewis. Rick Wagner, who he brought in. Actually, did I say Tanyan? I don't think Tanyan was uh, was Gutekunst, but whatever. I believe Tim Boyle was brought in by Gutekunst. Kingsley Kiki was a fifth-round pick by Brian Gutekunst. Tyler Lancaster was an undrafted free agent in 2018 by Brian Gutekunst. Rashawn Gary, who's starting to come along. Raven Green was a undrafted free agent in 2018. Darnell Savage, first-round pick in uh, 2019, thanks in large part to trading back and then moving up to get Jair Alexander, picking up that extra first-round pick who became Darnell Savage. Thank you, Brian Gutekunst. I mean, if you just look at how bad things were getting with the Ted Thompson drafts, and, and all due respect to Ted, he did a great job for a real long time, but I mean, you look at how those drafts were starting to turn out, and you look at how things are going now, and, and the ways in which he's doing it. It's not just good drafting. That's what Ted Thompson did really well. This is especially mid-round. Brian is hitting on early picks. We're starting to see guys like Kingsley step up as mid-picks, MVS as mid-picks. We're seeing undrafted free agents step up. We're seeing street free agents step up. We're seeing the signed, the the big-name signed free agents like Adrian Amos and Zedarius make impacts. He's doing a lot of things in a lot of different ways, and they're all contributing to different degrees, obviously. But just it's just interesting and, and cool to look at the roster construction and see how all these different guys came from different places. You know, our number one wide receiver was a second-round pick in 2014 by Ted Thompson. Our number two pick, uh, Lazard, I think was signed off the practice squad for the Jaguars. 
Our number three guy was a fifth round pick in 2018 by Gutekunst. There are a lot of different tools that a GM has to use, and Brian Gutekunst has some serious mastery over all those tools. Obviously, not everything's perfect. Of course, we can pull up instances of bad picks, bad signings, whatever. But I'm I'm really impressed with, number one, the hit rate, because I just got in the habit of when guys like this got picked up, you just shrug it off because obviously they're not going to do anything. And now I've gotten in the habit of doing it and immediately taking it back because I've, oh yeah, that's right. Actually, sometimes these guys actually pan out. So we'll see what happens. We know that Gutekunst loves taking swings at guys, and, and now you can see why. Even if it's 1 in 10, fine, start swinging a lot. Make sure you get to 10 swings so you get one great player. And what does it cost you? I mean, drafts cost a lot. Those are extremely valuable. The big-name free agents like Zadarius, those guys cost a lot of money. What did Tyler Irvin cost? What did Alan Lazard cost? These are the, the really, really valuable guys. If you can find them. And, and so you, you start to understand, we just keep picking these guys up and picking these guys up and picking these guys up, and most of them don't contribute. It seems like a waste of time. This is where the real the real value lies. Guys like Billy Wynn that you pick up that cost almost nothing that come in and make plays for you. Just picked them up off the street. It's, it's beautiful. Um, anyways, why don't we go ahead and, and just take a break right here. Make sure you get in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, as well as Cheese and Packers. They actually are giving me an opportunity to monetize, not the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, because I have so offended them that they won't even let me consider it. But uh, there's a new way to monetize pages. I can't figure out any actual way to use that, but uh, it's making me a little bit more interested in that page. It's basically like paid events. I'm probably never going to use it. The podcast is free. I don't know. But it's a thing. And I appreciate Facebook thinking of me. Um, what else? Oh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast directly, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. They do let you pay up front if you don't like those month-to-month charges. Every single month something pops up and then you got your spouse saying, what is this? Do we need this? Why do we have this? That's That happens sometimes, I know. So you can pay up front. There's also a discount, so it ends up being like 10 bucks to pay for the year if you did the dollar a month, whatever, if you'd rather just do that. There are also other options for just one-time donations if you'd rather not do any kind of yearly, monthly, whatever. Uh, you can check that out. Um, biggest things right now, number one, help uh, spread the word about the podcast. If you could uh, invite people to the pages, the groups, whatever, that'd be great. Let them know about the podcast. Otherwise, Pack Daddy NFL YouTube channel is closing in on 2,500 subscribers, and that would be great if uh, if we could get there. Probably not realistic to get there before Monday, but let's try it anyways. Pack Daddy NFL, go ahead and subscribe to that. That would be fantastic. I'm working on a lot of mock drafts, and actually, I've got mock drafts done this entire week. Uh, the, it's just a matter of finishing editing the video. The Jets, so the first round mock dropped Monday. The Jets mock went up yesterday. The Jaguars mock is done and scheduled to release today at 1 Central. Then I have, what is it, Bengals, then Dallas. Chargers, Bengals, Chargers, Dallas, Eagles, or Dallas, Chargers, Eagles, whatever. I got mocks all the way through Sunday, and then the plan will be on Monday, the uh, mock draft 9.0 will drop on Monday. I don't know how long I'll be able to keep up this uh, breakneck pace, but um, these are the goals that I set. Should be daily, there's no excuse for it not to, actually there's a lot of excuses for it to not be, but in my brain there's not, daily or, or or death, so. Anyways, let's take a break, and uh, we'll take a look at some other stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first of all, um, the, the first game that I would want to look at would be Saints-Falcons. Obviously, the Saints are... Toward the end of the year, you start to adjust your focus on how do we become the, you know, whatever, whatever the goal is. For us right now, it's to become the number one in the NFC. Sometimes it's to win the division. Sometimes it's just to get into the playoffs, whatever. The Saints did come very close to losing to the Falcons, but I think a lot of that you have to start looking at and say that's because they don't have their quarterback. The defense has been playing really well. They held the Falcons to 16 points, which tells me that the defense is still doing a great job. Not that the Falcons are a stalwart team, but anytime you keep any team to 16 points, your defense isn't horrible. Additionally, um, Drew Brees is coming back a lot faster than I expected. I guess when I heard 12 broken ribs or whatever craziness it was, I assumed he's going to be out for a very long time. We may not see him this year. Now there's apparently question about whether or not he's going to play this upcoming week. Now this upcoming week is Philadelphia. So the the terrible part about all this is even without Drew, they probably beat Philadelphia. So they beat Philadelphia, and then he comes back against the Chiefs, and that gives them obviously a, a decent chance of actually beating the Chiefs. I know it seems relatively unlikely, and I would certainly pick the Chiefs to win. But again, keep in mind, this, this Saints defense is really, really good right now. The offense with Drew Brees is pretty talented. So obviously the, the biggest chance of the Saints dropping a game would be Brees uh, not being around for the, well, let's just say the remainder of the season, because then there's a pretty decent chance they lose to the Chiefs and the Vikings. Kind of iffy on the, the Carolina Panthers, but I don't know his exact timeline, but it, it's certainly gearing up to be possibly this week, but I would guess probably not just because it's the Eagles and why risk it. They're going to play without Breeze this week, beat the Eagles, and then they'll come back against the Chiefs. So it's, it's setting up positively for the Saints, which is bad for the Packers. Uh, we don't actually know what's going to happen, but that's kind of how it's looking. Lions and Bears was pretty interesting. Um, Lions looked like they were about to get completely smoked and then came back and won the game. Kudos to the Lions. Both teams are now at 5-7. and seven. From a playoff NFC North kind of standpoint, the best these teams can be is 9-7, and seven, and there's possibly a chance for a 9-7 and seven team to slip in, but the fact of the matter is the odds of these teams going undefeated um, and getting ahead of all the teams necessary to get into the playoffs are relatively low although not entirely impossible. In fact, the, the biggest biggest thing they're going to have to do is outpace the Cardinals and Vikings who are at 6-6. Six and six. 
which isn't impossible. I mean, the, the Vikings are facing the Buccaneers this week, so them falling to 6-7 and seven this week, the Bears and or Lions have a real opportunity to actually be neck and neck with the Vikings right now, as in by the conclusion of this week. The Bears are facing the Texans, the Lions are facing the Packers, the Lions obviously do not have a very good chance of winning that game. The Bears against the Texans, however, I mean, they could be um, at the same record. Unfortunately, they did lose to the Minnesota Vikings, so that still puts them slightly behind. However, the very next week, the Vikings are on the schedule. So from the Bears' perspective, and the, and the Vikings as well, if we assume the Bears win and the Vikings lose, which is not very hard to assume, I would say that's a relatively likely scenario. You're looking at Vikings-Bears kind of for the NFC North. Now, it's, it's certainly not over, but if you look at it, the Bears have the Jaguars and the Packers, so even if they lose to the Packers, they would be 7-9, and nine. and that's the other thing. They still have to outpace everybody else. It's not just the Vikings. But I guess if we're just looking at becoming second in the North, and we say they lose, the Vikings lose to Tampa, they lose to Chicago, there's a good chance they lose to the Saints. Then they got Detroit. Even if they beat them, it's two 7-9 and nine teams. Lions have almost no chance. They got the Packers, Titans, Buccaneers, and Vikings coming up. I don't know if they win another game. I don't know. I just, I don't even know. I don't know if 7-9 and nine is going to cut it. Although I don't know what the Cardinals are going to bring to this either. They've got... Uh, they're on a three-game losing streak. They do have the Giants, which should be a win, although the Giants just upset the Seahawks. They got the Eagles, which should also be a win, but then they got the 49ers and the Rams, which are not guaranteed games. They just lost to the Rams already this year. I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, it, it's the only reason this is even halfway interesting, I suppose, is that the Vikings are actually a little bit of a threat. They obviously have some massive holes. I do not think that they're Super Bowl contenders, but as far as playing spoiler, as they've done the last several years, they clearly are a team that's good at that. They've got the offensive firepower, the occasional flashes of defensive brilliance. They can do enough to play spoiler, and I do not want to give them an opportunity to knock out the Packers. Not that I wouldn't take the opportunity to play them in Lambeau and be able to embarrass the Vikings. That sounds great. I just would rather that not be the case. Um, but the more I look at it, it just seems... I mean, Arizona might knock out the Vikings. I don't think the Bears or Lions have that ability. So I do think the Vikings end up being second in the North. It really just comes down to what are the Cardinals slash maybe 49ers. That's probably it. Cardinals and 49ers. And the 49ers are 5-7, and seven, so they'd have to go on a little bit of a, of a tear, including beating the Cardinals. We come to Bengals-Dolphins, not because it really impacts us in any way, but again, just to kind of highlight the any given Sunday thing. And, and the only reason I really want to do this is to highlight the fact that the Packers have a very good chance and that's all they have, but that's also all we should be asking for. There's way too much volatility in this sport. I'm going to try to not bring up my war analogy again, but that's basically all it is. You, you build up as many tools and as many positive things as you can, and then you just you just start flipping cards, man. You just start rolling the, the dice. It's like, it's like risk. You know, one guy's got three dice, one guy's got two, but that doesn't mean you're going to win. That is the most frustrating thing in the world, by the way. I, I've got Risk on my phone. That was my favorite game as a kid. used to love playing Risk. But the game on my phone, it just seems like it's cheating. Because the guy with two dice, because the tie goes to the, the two dice. Constant, I mean, we'll just wipe out an entire army when they have almost nobody left. And I would swear that, that the computer, on the software, whatever, for that game on my phone is just broken and cheating. If I hadn't played it so much as a kid and realized this happens all the time and it's the most frustrating thing in the world. To the point where three hours in, I'm ready to flip this board over because it's cheating. Somehow the universe and this dice are, are loaded and cheating. I wonder if risk dice are, are loaded. They just build it that way. <laughs> Not that there's any difference. But you just grabbed it, so that doesn't even make sense. But again, the, the Dolphins, and the Dolphins did win, which is the expected outcome, but 19-7 to makes you look at the Dolphins and say they're not for real. It's an 8-4 team. 
They've made some massive strides, but that's pathetic. The Vikings almost lost to the Jaguars. We're talking about, I just got done saying this is a team that actually is a threat to the Packers, and I mean that. I stand by that. Even if they lost to the Jaguars, I'd stand by that, because one week doesn't tell you everything. We're way too stuck in the immediate. The recency bias with NFL fans is kind of pathetic. The Vikings are a joke because they almost lost to the Jaguars. No, not true. The Vikings may be a joke for a various number of reasons, but almost losing to a bad team is never a reason to call a team a joke. Because that happens to everybody. The Chiefs almost lost to the Chargers. They beat them by three points in overtime. Are the Chiefs pathetic? The Chiefs almost lost to the Carolina Panthers 31-33. to They almost lost for a second time to the Raiders 31-35. to They just beat the Denver Broncos 16-22. to This elite offense... Which, by the way, it's interesting they haven't gotten to 31 points, or to 31, to 30 points in the last two weeks. A team that has gotten to 30 almost every single week. But really, it just comes down to the um, Denver Broncos having a horrifically bad offense. If they had a halfway competent offense, they should have beat the Kansas City Chiefs. This was a day, if we're going back to the war analogy, the Kansas City Chiefs last week flipped over like a nine. The Denver Broncos just flipped over a four. There are a lot of teams with some loaded stacked decks, including the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Saints, the Steelers, the Ravens, that would have loved to play the Chiefs when they flip over that 9, or that 7, or whatever you know you want to call 22 points. That was a gimme, but they got lucky and played a garbage team with a terrible deck that flipped to 4. Happens to everybody, and that's going to happen to teams in the playoffs. And that's why you like consistency it's why you like the stacked decks the stacked teams the stacked rosters you like the mentality you like the health all these different pieces because that's all you get once you get out there it's just pieces and you take your pieces you take your tools and it's just godspeed yet raiders almost falling to the jets just another example you never really know browns absolutely annihilated the titans which makes you feel i mean it ended up being close but for a while there i swear i looked at the score and it was like browns 35 titans 6 or something crazy Ended up 41-35, but it's crazy to me that Browns-Titans is actually a good game. It's a 9-3 Browns and an 8-4 Titans right now. You go back like three, four years ago, That's like those. Two, this is the worst football game you'd ever watch. Then, of course, you got some really good examples, like the Giants beating the Seahawks, which, interestingly enough, I contemplated taking the Seahawks in my survivor pool, but backed off of it because I just didn't feel good about it. The Seahawks seem way too shaky, and the Giants just have just enough, you know? Sure enough, the Giants pulled it out. Now, I just I actually picked the Raiders in my survivor pool. I almost lost that one. I already mentioned Chiefs-Broncos. The Chiefs came close to losing to the Broncos, which is kind of pathetic. No real reflection on the Chiefs, though. I still think they're probably the best team in football right now. But that stuff is going to happen. The biggest example probably is Washington beating the Steelers. Now, and again, this is what frustrates me to no end. If you go in the comments section and look at it, you start seeing things like, well, they've always been frauds. This has never been real. They've never played anybody. That's stupid, dude. I mean, look, there's 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 glimmers of truth in there. But bad teams don't make it to 11-0. Undefeated teams typically are going to fall to somebody, and a lot of the time it's going to be a, to a not good team. The The Green Bay Packers, when they were going undefeated in, in 2011, lost to Kansas City when Kansas City was kind of a joke. That was supposed to be a gimme game. It just happens, man. A really, really good team kind of just falls asleep. And the offense is clearly the weak spot on that team. 
but you had a defense that slightly underperformed. I mean, 23 points is fine, but when you're the elite defense going up against a really bad offense, you should be able to hold them to less than 23. And the Steelers' uh, offense needs to put up more than 17 no matter what. I don't care who you're going up against. 17 points is not acceptable. But they got caught sleeping. On the flip side, you find uh, games like the Patriots beating the Chargers 45-0. to Are the Patriots the best team in football? No, man. It's just, it, look, again, it's just football. It's just football. We do all this analysis and all this trying to figure stuff out. And then once once the kickoff happens, you just got to let all that go. You just You just light it all on fire and just watch football. Watch the magic that is football. And I think the problem is there's something about human nature where we want everything to be explainable. Everything needs to be black and white. We just are so wildly uncomfortable with things just being something that we can't explain. We can't live with that. There has to be a black and white explanation. The Steelers lost to the to Washington, not just because sometimes stuff happens. Steelers are still as dominant as they were last week. Washington is still as bad as they were last week. Nothing really changed other than the record. Nope, not acceptable. We can't accept that. This has to tell us something. This is this is definitive. The Steelers are not that good. They're frauds. They're going to get annihilated. And they probably will get knocked out of the playoffs because the odds that that happens are good, just like it is for everybody. It's unlikely any team wins the Super Bowl. And then when that happens, we're going to see all these same people pop up and say, See, I knew it. There were frauds all along. And if they win a Super Bowl, those people will just come up with a new excuse. Because again, there has to be a reason. There has to be something here. There's got to be a, a, a truth in here somewhere. The, the answer is this doesn't actually tell us anything. Not to say there's nothing that can be learned from this, but sometimes really good teams lose to really bad teams. That's just a reality. And so that, that's why I, I said in that Eagles game, as much as a blowout would be great, and 30-16 to 16 is in my book a blowout, and as much as we want to keep that record up, we want to make sure that we don't get eliminated from the playoffs because that would be a nightmare and it's not impossible. We also want to take a shot at that uh, number one spot, although that's relatively unlikely. There's still a chance. And then there's all the, the morale factor. And for me as a podcaster, obviously, I would like to have a good attitude. I'd like the fan base to have a good attitude, and I'd like the numbers to stay high. All those things happen when we win. Those things don't happen when we lose. This is going to be a very horrible job if the Packers lose Aaron Rodgers and go on a, a, a you know struggling to get to 500 kind of streak. I'm going to be doing full-time NFL draft stuff. <laughs> Got that as a nice hedge. But again, it's it's just it's not as meaningful as we want to make it out to be. Now, when you look at things over the course of a season, you can start to put pictures together. All right? It, if we look at it and say that the defense is problematic, it's not just because of what we saw against the Eagles. It's the picture that we've been painted over the course of the season. We start to get a better picture. And those things can be true. But even that, things can change. And even bad defenses can put together good performances, right? The, the, the you know, several days, weeks ago, whatever, I went through some of the Super Bowl winners, and you start to see teams that they were not something during the regular season, and they became just enough to win something. You know, they had a bad offense, but during that playoff run, the offense was actually really good. Bad defense, but the defense was actually really good during the playoff stretch. I mean, that my mind always goes back to the um, the Baltimore Ravens. The time Joe Flacco and that that Ravens team won, they were obviously a decent enough team to get in there. But the from the second Ray Lewis said, "This is my last year. This is my last year, guys," and I, you know, I'm just asking you to give me everything you got. That defense was beyond next level. It was already a good defense, but that defense 
was unstoppable. I mean, there, there was no way that team with that defense wasn't going to win a Super Bowl because they were so unbelievably good. They just kicked it into another gear. Then you see that with, you know, when the Packers, when they went on a run, they weren't Super Bowl caliber. They became Super Bowl caliber in the playoffs. The Giants the very next year who knocked us out of the playoffs in 2011 when, when, when it was expected that the Packers were going to win a Super Bowl. Why? Because they're so dominant. Except they played like garbage against the Giants and the Giants suddenly turned into this superhuman force. Or Nick Foles. Nick Foles was getting elite grades in the last two games, I mean, in the Super Bowl and the, and the week before that. He had elite grades. Nick Foles. Where in the world did that come from? I don't know, man. But something clicked in his brain. Something was going right with the play calling and uh, the receivers and everything just clicked for Nick Foles and that team. And, and he just gutted it out. And they won a Super Bowl. The Eagles won with Nick Foles because Nick Foles played on a level he's never played before and will probably never play again. So we can't keep trying to force everything into a box. That's why I get so frustrated with it. This team will never win a Super Bowl. Why? Because they let the Eagles come back to within seven points in the fourth quarter. Okay. Well, you should be good all the time. That's not true, but but okay. Is anybody good all the time? Well, no. But they just, they're going to suck. <laughs> all right, yeah. I mean, again... To me, it just seems like some people are coming to the realization that it's unlikely the Packers win a Super Bowl, and they can't handle that realization, and they get very angry, and they want to just declare to the world they're not going to win. Yes, you're right. It is unlikely. It's extremely unlikely. It's extremely unlikely for every single football team because every team has so many flaws that are just waiting to implode and collapse. And only one team is going to bumble and stumble and fumble their way into a Super Bowl and just clumsily find their way to a victory. Only one. Only one will overcome all these fatal flaws. Only one will find a way to not completely fall apart and implode and play like garbage. Because I'll tell you right now, again, that Chiefs game, if they were playing a playoff game against a playoff caliber team, the Chiefs you just saw get eliminated from the playoffs. That Chiefs team last week is done, out of the playoffs, gone. I don't care if they're playing the Colts, the Titans, the Steelers, the Browns, the Bills. Done. Over with. Out of here. On a fluke. The Chiefs are better, but it doesn't matter. Because if that game comes up, if that come, the game comes up at the wrong time in the playoffs, you're cooked. Game over. So every single team is just walking around with these ticking time bombs waiting to just explode and knock them out of the playoffs. And only ones isn't going to go off. That bomb that says, I'm terrible, isn't going to go off. Or the other bomb on the other side of the field in which a team shows up and is like, we're suddenly freaks. We've, we've magically become these superhuman robots that take over the world. And look, if, if we weren't such diehard Packer fans and we're just NFL fans, I really believe we could all sit back and appreciate that aspect of football. But as Packer fans, that aspect makes us crazy, makes us uncomfortable, makes us scared and worried and angry. And, and, and again... People can't handle that. We need we, we need definitive things. And it makes people angry that there aren't definitive... We should have done more in free agency. What's that going to do? Well, then we would not have issues. Okay, who in free agency? Earl Thomas? That was a huge name in free agency. Should we have gotten Earl Thomas? The fact of the matter is, it is what it is. There is no magic pill. There is no draft pick that would have fixed this. There's no free agent that would have fixed this. And by this, I mean things that fall apart. What free agent is going to fix Aaron Rodgers having a terrible day? Nobody. Nothing. 
There's not a coach or a GM or a draft pick or an offensive lineman or a defensive tackle or a linebacker that is going to come on this team as a, as a first-round pick and stop the death spiral that is an offense that can't get first downs under Aaron Rodgers. You know when you see it how horrible it is, and you also know there's nothing that can be done. And I know that makes you crazy, and I know you don't want to believe it, and you're probably plugging your ears right now saying, no, 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 it can't be true. Stop saying it. There is a draft pick that will save us. There is a free agent that will save us all. Will Fuller would have saved us. Would Will Is Will Fuller going to play? Uh, and I know he's already out of the league. That's kind of half the joke. But is Will Fuller going to help on special teams as a gunner to make sure to tackle people? Is Will Fuller going to play linebacker or defensive tackle? Is Will Fuller going to play off the edge when Rashawn and Zadarius and Preston play like garbage? Is Will Fuller going to play safety when our guys just don't know how to play and just have terrible days? Is Earl Thomas going to play quarterback when Aaron Rodgers is just all up in his own head? You can't fix everything. This is a very good football team that is not perfect, that has a very good chance of winning a Super Bowl as far as chances of winning a Super Bowl go. That's all it is, and that's, that's this is as good as it's going to get. And I know you want more comfort. I, I want to see us win 99-0 every single week. You mean like you want to see the 2011 Packers? This undefeated, unstoppable force that can't be beaten? It doesn't do anything. It doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't fix the time bombs. It doesn't fix the war analogy. There's still fours and fives in the deck. It doesn't fix any of that. So again, I'm going to say what I've been saying for a very long time. This is a very good football team. Appreciate what we have. Appreciate what is the best, one of the best Packers teams, especially offenses we've seen in our lifetime. Not just because it's happening. Not just because the season's coming to a close and we're going to be sitting here for months with no football, wishing there was football. We have it. It's going great. Appreciate it. Not just because there's a very real chance that the Packers win a Super Bowl and you're going to look back and see nothing but whining and complaining on your Twitter timeline and in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group talking about this team sucks and this player sucks and they're going to hoist a trophy and you're going to have nothing but a trail of complaining and whining and hating this football team. Not just that, but the simple fact that we may never... See this good of a team. How long have the Lions been bad? How long were the Browns bad? Who says we can't be a bad team for 30 or 40 years? If you're not going to appreciate this, don't watch football. I'm not saying you can't get frustrated with bad play. I'm not saying you can't want things to get better, but we got to at some level be able to take a step back and say, you know what, overall, this is pretty good. You know what, this is a six-win team. As of 2018, That could have been it. That could have been the end of it. We fire McCarthy, we go out and get a coach, and that coach is no good. We we elevate a GM, and that GM is no good. And Aaron Rodgers never rebounds, never recovers. We may have been in year three right now of terrible football, looking at the next 10 to 15 to 20 to 30 years of terrible football. Who knows? Who knows how long this thing is going to end? But instead, we got Matt LaFleur... We got Brian Gutekunst. We got old Aaron Rodgers back. Devontae continues to ascend. We've added some great talent to this, this football team. And we went from a six-win team, 6-9-1, six, and one, to 13-3, and three, and are now 9-3, and three, having just beat the Eagles 30-16, to 16, are by all accounts the second-best team in the NFC, arguably the number one team in the NFC. Doesn't really matter. Not that interesting of a debate anyways. With every... Every much, what's what's the way to say this? Not every much, that's not a thing. Every bit as much of a chance, I needed bit, of winning a Super Bowl as anybody else. And I, I would ask of you to appreciate 
the lack of certainty. I was the guy, when I played video games, I liked to cheat. Because I don't have a lot of fun struggling. I just don't. I don't find the joy in it. I like being awesome. Right? If I'm playing a game that requires lots of money, I just want to have the money. That'd be great. Plus, it just kind of speeds things up. I don't want to play this for 40, 40 years. Right? If I want to get to the Apex, I'd like to get there in the next hour and then move on with my life. Which, by the way, I don't know if any of you guys play Mountain Blade, but I was just informed that the new Mountain Blade is now allowing modding. And the mods are coming out. Super excited. So uh, just throwing that little tidbit out there. But anyways, again, just try to appreciate football for what it is. Appreciate the sport for what it is. Appreciate the fact that everything's volatile. It's not just, you know, the NBA or the MLB where you have the dominant teams and you have the garbage teams and that's kind of it. Anything can happen, man. And, and fluky stuff has massive impact. I'm not saying you can't be a bad team to beat a good team in baseball. But when you average it out, Right, I mean, if, if, if Washington and, and the Steelers played, let's say, 10 times, the Steelers are going to win nine times, and at the end of it, it's not going to make that big of a difference, that one loss. In this case, it matters. So the, the two bits of advice, appreciate football for what it is. Start to appreciate all the aspects of football, the, the volatility of it, the strategy of it. Start to, to even appreciate other teams. I know it's fun to hate other teams, but try to develop some appreciation for what other teams are doing rather than just envy and anger that we're not that team. Not necessarily talking about the Bears, but you know what I mean. Start to appreciate the draft, the strategy of the draft, the thought process behind the draft, the draft and develop, the importance of the future for crying out loud. Some of you, please start to appreciate that. The fact that a team in 2020 is made up of nothing but its past. Aaron Rodgers was drafted in the past. David Bakhtiari, the past. Devontae Adams, the past. 99% of the success of this team is comprised of its past, not moves made in 2020. You want to have success tomorrow, it's going to be based on things you do today. Unless you neglect to focus on tomorrow and only focus on today, then you'll have no money and no players. Start to appreciate that fact of things. Also worth considering the fact that it's true that the vast majority of what your team is today is going to to be comprised of what you've done in the past means that there's very little you can actually do today to change that because the past weighs so heavily. You've got 10 years of decisions built into this team. What you do in 2020 is going to move the needle very little. Make good decisions about your future and let the future take care of itself. Right now we're just riding the wave of the boat that we started building 10 years ago. You want to stitch stitch the sail a little bit? Cool. Climb up there and stitch it. But you're not going to build a new boat this year. You want to start building a new boat, start building now and get ready to sail in five years. Or in NFL terms, maybe a year or two. It doesn't take all that long. The only other bit of advice is football can't just be about Super Bowls. I know that's ultimately the goal, but otherwise it's just misery. If it's all, somebody just asked me this recently. If you had the opportunity, I'm probably going to butcher this and I'm not going to go look it up, but something to the effect of, if you could win the NFC North every single year but never win a Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl this year, and I don't remember what it was. I want to say no guarantees, but there's never guarantees anyways. So I'll, I'll tweak it to say you you don't win a Super Bowl ever again, something to that effect. I don't know. You're not very good after that. I like watching a good Packers team. I've enjo- Here, Here's the situation. I've seen that team most of my life. Most of my life, the Packers have been very good and have given me great years. Only twice out of those years have we won a Super Bowl. Brett Favre gave us how many years of great football that we can look back on fondly. We lost the Super Bowl almost every single one of those years. 
but we can appreciate it. Something worthy of appreciation is happening right now in front of us, and we can't appreciate it because all we can think about is a stupid Super Bowl. I know that's the ultimate goal. I know that's going to be the most amazing feeling in the world to see Aaron Rodgers hoist that trophy one last time. I'm going to try as hard as I can to be fighting back tears in that moment so my kids don't see me cry, because that would be stupid. But not everything worth appreciating happens in February. There's a reason that this podcast goes on 365 days a year, and it ain't because the money's so good in the offseason. I promise you that. There's no money. It's a lot more work. The fact of the matter is the NFL is a is a 365-day-a-year thing. There's always things going on. Start to appreciate it for your own sake, for your own mental health. Not everything has to be viewed through the prism of does this make me certain we win a Super Bowl? If not, I'm angry. If that's where you're at and that's the only way you can see football, you have to walk away. You have to. For your sake, for your family's sake, for everybody's sake, for Twitter's sake, for my sake, stop watching football, go do something else. You're going to die at 45 of a heart attack. A miserable, angry, lonely person. Don't do it. Anyways, that's it. I'm going to get out of here. Got lots of work to do, so I will talk to you all later. Have a good one, and bye-bye.